Well, I want to introduce John to you. John is one of our, our new elders. Hey, how many weeks now? Three weeks. Yes. Wow, that's yes. good. Uh, John is going to be sharing the word with us this morning. Uh, last fall, he made the mistake of taking the preaching laps that we took. Uh, and in the process, we discovered he had a gift for preaching. And so this is how many times have you preached now? Oh, man, this is uh, number four. Beautiful. Does that include the preaching labs, or is that like no? That's that's, that's real. That's, yeah, that's just in front of people. I like it. Whoa, so, so good! <laughs> it's fantastic. John is a man who loves the Word, who loves Jesus, and wants to be used for His glory. And so I invite you to open your Bibles. Uh, John will do some more introducing to that. But John, I want to pray for you as you give yourself to, to sharing with us this morning. Father, I want to thank you for my brother John. I thank you for his faithfulness. Lord, I pray this morning as we listen to your word through your servant, that your spirit would speak to our hearts about how to honor our fathers and mothers. Mm. Ultimately, Lord, how to honor you as our heavenly father. I pray your blessing on my brother. Fill us now through him. Fill him and give him boldness as he preaches. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Bless you, John. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you for the honor of uh, allowing me to look into the Word with you. Um, as has been said, my name's John, but I'm married to a lovely woman called Debbie. And I have had the honor of spending uh, several decades in the best career in the world. I've uh, taught uh, late teens, early 20-somethings for many years. And really, if those of you that are teachers, you know how rewarding that's been. Well, after the service, if we have a chance to talk, we would strike up a uh, conversation and I would introduce myself again and we would chat about probably the first thing we would talk about would be our families. I'd uh, ask about yours and uh, I'd tell you that I have three grown children and six grandchildren. But of course we talk about our families because our families are so important to us. But let me ask you this question. Why is it? That, is a, that as a group, our families can be the source of our greatest joys and our greatest pain. <laughs> For some of us, our family experiences are the greatest earthly happiness that we've ever experienced. And for others, our families are about as pleasurable as, uh, I don't know, eating, drinking sour pickle juice but I really believe that if we can wrap our heads around what God is saying in the fifth commandment, that it will heal us, or at least set us on the path to healing from that agony that paralyzes far too many families. Well, that's a pretty big claim, but I believe it's true. So let's read these command, this command, the fifth commandment, together. We're going to read it in two versions, in Exodus and Deuteronomy. Exodus 20:12 says, "Honor your father and your mother, so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you." And then we go to Deuteronomy 5:16 and it's expanded somewhat. It says, "Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God commanded you, that your days may be long and that it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God is giving you." And the first question you might be wondering about is, why did this commandment make it into the Ten Commandments in the first place? The Ten Commandments are a marvelous, marvelously succinct list of commands that 
can build an entire society as well as run a family. But why is it there? I mean, it's right in the middle of commands like <laughs> don't murder, don't kill, don't commit adultery. I mean, those are terrible things. But honoring mother and father, why would that be there? Well, Paul uh, puts disobedience to parents in the same list in 1 Timothy chapter 3, same list as the sins of arrogance, brutality, treachery, and even loving pleasure. I mean, you have to wonder, nobody likes it when kids are bratty, but does that justify including them right in the middle of these other truly heinous sins? Why is it so important? Well, by the end of our time together, I'd like us to help I like us to understand that this command is incredibly important. And I want us to understand its importance by looking at three questions. And we're going to emphasize the first two because of time constraints. Number one, why should we honor our parents? Number two, what's the difference between counterfeit honor and genuine honor? Number three, how is honoring my parents tied to the promise of living long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you? So why should we honor our parents? First reason is that honor is an expression of the way that God relates to himself and the way that he relates to us. How does God exist? Well, you might reply truthfully that God is one, but God exists in three persons, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. God exists as a personal, infinite God who is one, yet he exists in three persons who are each equally divine. But did you ever study the way that God relates to himself? When we examine scripture closely, we find that God relates to himself in amongst the three members of the Trinity on the basis of honor. It's really fascinating. Look at uh, John 17, 7. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that you, they know you, the one only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Now notice, he says, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave to me. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had, before you, I had with you before the world existed. So here we have members of the Trinity, the Son honoring the Father, because honor and glory are basically the same thing. The Son honoring the Father, the Father honoring the Son. And we could look at other passages that would show that the Holy Spirit does the same thing. So why do we honor our parents? Why is it included in these commands? It's because giving honor is the core of how each member of the Trinity relates to each other. And when we honor our parents, we are in some way reflecting what happens in the Godhead. And we are fulfilling, we are fulfilling our role as made in the image of God. And then look at Jesus. Jesus taught very, very, uh, taught the importance of honoring parents really with great emphasis. And did he match what he taught with his own actions? Yes. He honored his parents. Think of when he was hanging on the cross in such agony and such suffering. 
He said seven things. He's taking on the sins of the world. He's being rejected by his father. He's moments away from death. And what does he include in the seven things that he says? He looks down at his mother and takes care of her by making sure she's looked after. It's incredible. So honoring our parents is really important because it is uh, based on the way that God honors himself and the way that he relates to us as humans. Number two, we honor our parents because they gave you the gift of life. Through them, you receive the unique building blocks that makes you who you are. I absolutely love Psalm 139. It says, even in the darkness, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Isn't that a beautiful picture? God weaving you together in the womb before anyone even knew that you were conceived. You were woven. You were knitted. Uh, you grade 11 biology students, doesn't, doesn't that weaving remind you of, of the astonishing DNA molecule? Remember what DNA looks like? Two strands, like, like knitting threads, that coil around each other in the miraculous spiraling double helix molecule. And in your mother's womb, your mother and father's cords of DNA came together to make you who you are. No other parents except the ones that you were given could ever make you you. Without them, you would not exist. That is a very, very important reason to honor our father and mother. But besides the fact that it reflects how God relates to each other, besides the fact that it uh, reflects the way that we were made and life was channeled through our parents, we honor our father and mother out of appreciation. Most of us, unfortunately, probably not all of us, but most of us have parents who have sacrificed for us in ways that are too numerous to, uh, to uh, uh, count. As a matter of fact, probably most of us couldn't even remember most of the ways that they've honored us. But I have to think about my own mother. My own mother is a brilliant, talented woman, professional artist, an accomplished violinist. But my own mother, let's just say she's very susceptible to the waterworks. When we were kids, watching Captain Kangaroo and the Friendly Giant. All Captain Kangaroo had to do was just read a, a story that was slightly sentimental, and my mother was in tears. Read a Hallmark card. You know, I would look at that as a 15-year-old and say, ooh, that's sappy. It would make her cry, because it came from me. How do you think my mother responded when she was down in Seattle at the Harborview Medical Center, sitting beside the bed of a patient who was 
out on, who was laying out on a striker frame bed. That patient had taken his car over a small cliff and had broken, fractured his, his neck at the C2 level and was completely paralyzed. How do you think she responded sitting next to her son, my 23-year-old brother, and being told that likely my brother would not live the night, and if he did survive, he would probably be an iron lung case for the rest of his life. I would have expected my mother to completely dissolve, but it was exactly the opposite. A strength came in her, a power, a determination. She became a mama bear. She became a mama grizzly bear. And the rest of us were basket cases. And when the mortality of her son was at stake, she became focused and powerful. As a matter of fact, she saved his life. She gave life to him twice, once through birth and once when the striker bed was being turned over. The attendant forgot to attach my brother's head uh, properly, and his head would have flopped down, and he almost certainly would have died. And she caught that, and she said, Stop! Well, my brother survived the accident and got about 80% of his mobility back. But right now, as we speak, my mother is lying in a chair with nearly com a complete lack of mobility. About she, she can hardly walk, she can hardly move, and she sleeps, she eats, she spends her days in this one chair. And my same brother, right now, is beside her, taking care of her. We honor our parents out of appreciation for the things they do for us. Okay, well, we've been talking about honor, but what's the difference between real honor? What is honor? What is genuine honor? And what, is, what are some of the counterfeits? How do you know when you're giving real honor instead of a cheap substitute? What's the difference between the real gold of honor and the cheap fool's gold? Well, the, this word honor is, comes from a really interesting Hebrew word. It's kabod. And this word sometimes is translated as glory or it's translated as abundance. The word literally means weighty, something solid, something of substance. I love the way that Paul captures the meaning of this word with the Greek equivalent in the New Testament. He says in 2 Corinthians 4.16, So we do not lose heart. Though the outer self is wasting away, medical people tell me that starts at about age 27, our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for, here it is, an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. So when you honor your mother and father, you are giving them a kind of weight. <laughs> now, it's not the same weight as uh, loading up their plates with turkey and Twinkies at your Christmas dinner. Rather, you're counting them as important, weighty people. They have gravitas. They are consequential. You restore honor on them by restoring respect on them. And giving honor, authentic honor, to our parents is absolute. And it's a requirement for children of all ages, which means all of us, 
Because unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on what your life, life is like, not all of us have kids, but we all have parents, unless you're cloned. But you never grow too old to honor your mother and father. It, it is an obligation from the cradle to the grave. Now, some of you may be having alarm bells going off in your mind. You may be thinking, you don't know my parents. They had very serious flaws. Maybe some of you grew up in the family of alcoholic behavior. Maybe there was even criminal behavior. Maybe there was serious problems with truthfulness and a whole wide range of abuse patterns and exploitation. You name it. Well, I get that. But this complaint is, has a counterfeit assumption lurking beneath. You don't honor your parents biblically because they're fine people. Honoring your parents is not an inclination of your emotion, but it is a decision of your will. Let me repeat that. Honoring your parents is not an inclination of your emotion. It's a decision of your will. Nowhere in scripture does God tell us to honor our parents because we have affection for them or even tenderness. Sometimes that's impossible. Now don't get me wrong, affection and tenderness in family relationships is, is wonderful. We thank God when it exists, but it doesn't always exist. But to say that honor is based on warm feelings and the worthiness of your folks to receive honor is, well, it's fake news. Honor is not based on the goodness of a particular parent. Honor is not based on the attractiveness of a parent. Rather, honor is based on the position of parenthood. Someone has said, it's a great quote, and I don't know who said it. I couldn't find out where it came from, that honor is the unsentimental moral nucleus for your relationship with your parents. Honor is the unsentimental, it's not based on emotion, moral nucleus. In other words, it's at the core of what is right for your relationship with your parents. So honor arises out of a respect for the position, not the worthiness of the parent. A second source of, con of counterfeit honor compared to real honor is confusion about the way honor should be expressed as we mature as human beings. One of the many causes of tensions in families is the inability to understand, understand and to accept these changes. This can't be overemphasized. The way that honor is demonstrated must necessarily change as we age. Honor must be age appropriate. It should and it must change as the decades fly by. And this is a biblical principle. We see this in uh, Ephesians chapter 6. Pastor Chris up here to unpack this. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in discipline and the instruction of the Lord. 
In these two verses, two people are addressed, children and, a parent, and parents. Notice that each group owes something to the other. What is the obligation of children to parents? Honor. What is the obligation of fathers to children? Training and not provoking your children to anger. And when we examine this verse, we see a distinction between a universal principle and an application of that principle. So all throughout Scripture, all of the commands in Scripture fall into one of two categories. Either, either they are timeless universal principles that hold for all times to all people, or the command is an, a specific application for specific people in a specific time. But honor is a general universal requirement for every child, regardless of their age, regardless of the times that they live. But the way that honor is expressed varies over different ages. So in verse 1, we're going to go back to it here, we see an age-appropriate application of the fifth commandment. How does honoring your father and mother look to small children? Here it is. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. This is a specific application of that command to a specific age group, referring to children living at home. But then Paul adds, children, obey your, your parents in the Lord. That's a very important qualifier. Obedience is not absolute. Hold on, kids. <laughs> Don't run away with that one on me. Giving honor is absolute, but obedience is not absolute. Rather, it's conditional on the parent's commands being in alignment with God's principles. In other words, the fifth commandment is subservient to the first commandment to honor God and to follow his ways. Now, this is a really important point to make because in many cultures throughout history and throughout the world, the power of the parents, especially the father, is absolute. And even in the 20th century, globally, there are millions and millions of people that believe that if their child doesn't, believe, doesn't uh, follow the family traditions and, religious, and religion, and that child changes their beliefs, that child should be terminated through honor killing, regardless of their age. But that phrase, in the Lord, limits the parent's power. And Paul goes on. For this is right, children obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Children obeying parents is part of the foundational moral order of society. And children show honor to your parents by obeying them. But children have this habit of growing up. I made the mistake of thinking about these words of Wayne Watson's song, The Night Before My Son's Wedding. I lost it, worse than my mom. But baby, what will we do when it comes back to me and you? They look a little less like boys every day. Oh, the pleasure of watching the children growing is mixed with the bitter cup of knowing that watercolor ponies will one day ride away. Do uh, any of you parents have a little vacuum in your heart because you've had 
a water watercolor pony or two right away. Genesis 2 expresses the same truth when it says that, that uh, when it teaches that a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, they shall become one flesh. The relational goal for your kids is different than the relational goal with your spouse. With your spouse, under God, under submission to God, you seek throughout your life to become more and more interdependent. Your relational goal with your kids is different. Under God, you, you seek to instruct them to become not interdependent with you, but independent of you. And the failure to get that straight results in many family relationships that are racked with tension and angst. For example, once independent, an adult child out on their own isn't in, under any obligation to obey their parents, but they must honor their parents in a way that fits who their parents are. But this can be difficult. Sometimes parents in my age range have a hard time accepting the independence of their growing children, causing all sorts of problems. I know I did. You're going to go into what career? You're constantly biting your, your tongue, even when your kids are in their 30s. A parent may need to give an apology, but will refuse because they just don't, don't remember those uh, terrible events the same way the kids did, and on and on and on. As an adult child, you have to understand that honoring your parent does not mean that you have to obey them, nor does it mean that you are responsible for making them happy. It's great when we make our parents happy, but it's not your responsibility to make them happy. And if you can't come to terms with it, if you think that honoring your parents means that they, you always have to measure up to their expectations, that you always have to feel like your life and choices they're fully, agree, fully agreeing with, then you're going to have this emotional churning going around in the pit of your stomach. But giving them honor is a choice of your will. And it does require that you show them respect and dignity, regardless of how much you think you have fallen short of their expectations. Now, the way that you show them as an adult respect and dignity can sometimes take a little imagination. Maybe to honor your parents, you have to take a little time to develop an interest in their consuming passion, passions. I know one set of parents whose son rise and falls on country music. Does that mean that you have to hold your nose and become maybe conversant with Hank Williams or Wilf Carter, Bluebird on my windowsill? I don't know. <laughs> Hopefully not. But it's a, and another idea is to catalog the contributions that they have made into your life. What part of them have they passed on to you that you can be grateful for? Tell them about it. Or maybe to honor your parents, you need to have a very, very difficult conversation, you know, about that 
elephant in the room that is destroying the, the intimacy behind those polite, fake smiles. You show them honor, but showing genuine honor does not obligate you to be held hostage to the sense that you can never measure up. Well, it's easy for me to stand here and preach 10 sermons, but it's very difficult for me to live one. Let me give you an example from the life of my own adult son. Father, thinking, why doesn't my son share more details about his life? How are you doing, son? Fine. How did work go today, son? Great. What did you do? Same old, same old. And, and he senses that I, I want to ask him all these questions, but he wants his privacy, and so the more hyper I get, the more he just moves away. Well, two weeks ago, something incredibly happened. I got a text from him. You know, my son's hobby is uh, being a, a volunteer firefighter, and in his job he does a lot of... Uh, safety administration. So my son knows his way around first aid. He was traveling down the highway. There was a car pulled off by the side of the road. There was a man lying on the ground and a woman and a boy in great distress. He pulls over and it turns out that that man had had a heart attack and, and the mother and son are in really, really upset. So he goes to work with CPR and he tries to revive him. And he tried for about 20 minutes before the ambulance came. And he witnessed a man die right before his eyes and he witnessed the effect that it had on that mother and that son. And he texted me and he said, oh, Dad, I was so, I was so traumatized by this. That man was like the same age as you. That could have been you. Dad, we've got to make up for lost time. <laughs> and since then, my phone, like in the last three weeks, bing, 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 bing. I'm running out of data. He's sending me pictures of the fish that he's catching. He's sending me fit pictures of, uh, of uh, stuff he's doing with his family. He's phoning me. I'm going, oh, son, thank you. <laughs> oh, so... So that, that's, that's a really moving, moving example of how this has worked out in our family. Well, the third question is, is how is honoring our parents tied to the promise that your days may be long, that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you? This is the first command, as Paul says, with a promise. The other commands before are largely explanations, but here we have a promise. Well, living long in the land for the children of Israel was the consequence, it was the reward for their obedience. And of course, we know that they were not obedience, obedient and they were swept away. Living long in the land as applied to Christians in the New Testament refers to living long in heaven, in the New Jerusalem. Now, some of you may be thinking, to really be honest, I feel left out of this conversation, my parents have already passed on. If that's true for you, then honoring your parents will be framed by the way that you represent them with the way that you remember them. Others of you might be thinking with sorrow, deep sorrow that goes right to the core of who you are. 
I don't even know who my parents are. I was adopted. Let me tell you that if you were adopted, do not feel in the least that somehow you are second rate or somebody's second choice for a child. Do you realize that as a, an adopted child, you represent something truly, eternally remarkable? For a Christian, no other religion like this. For a Christian, adoption is a privileged state, and it is a huge emphasis in Scripture. In other religion and cultures, there's a huge emphasis placed on your bloodlines, you know, fruit of your loins. But the Bible, in the Bible, adoption, totally unique, is given the highest honor. And what's the ultimate reason why God wants us to honor our parents? Because honoring our parents sets the foundation for our relationship and honoring of our Heavenly Father. How does God want us to address him? He wants us to address him as our Father who is in heaven. And how does he become our Heavenly Father? How do we come part, become part of his family? We become part of his family through adoption. I love the way Romans 8 describes this. 8.15, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and in him we cry, Abba, Father, Abba, that is, that's a term that it's not quite as informal as daddy, but it's, it's kind of like the French-Canadian version of Papa. Any of your grandchildren call you Papa? I love it. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. A little later, Paul says in Romans 8.22, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for what? For our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. But how do we get adopted? through the good news of the cross that we are about to remember on this first Sunday of the month in a few moments. It's amazing. When you look at the cross through a family lens, the cross represents, from one perspective, God shunning his own son so that we could be adopted as his children. God putting him on the outside of the city wall on a cross and removing him temporarily from his family. Jesus groaned, my, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I'm guaranteed that the real pain of the cross was not the brutal physical treatment that Jesus received. It was being forsaken by the Father as he bore the sins of all of us so that those who believed in his name might have the right to become what? Does John 1.12 say become what? The children of God. God tore his family apart, so to speak, so he could gain a larger family. So I think most of you realize that our biological families don't go together into eternity. There's no marriage in heaven. There's no given being given in marriage. But we 
do go to eternity as adopted members of the church of the living God, our wider family. I gotta be really honest with you as a, as a new elder. I struggle with this. I talked to Debbie about this. One of the challenges of this church, really I wonder about, how can we, as a community, living in a society where, in the, we, where our weeks are in the middle of this busy, frenetic pace, where we're scattered out all over the, the, the lower mainland, how can we, as a church, come together and live out the reality that we are adopted brothers and sisters together so that when we look at each other, we see spiritual mothers that we honor. We see spiritual fathers that we honor, brothers and sisters with which we are going to march into eternity. And the foundation for this is laid in the home with obeying the fifth commandment to honor our fathers and mothers. Because for most of us, that experience of honoring our fathers and mothers becomes the launching pad for us to honor our true heavenly father. Let's pray.